Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, where we inspire you to build a life of purpose and joy. Our aim is to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence. I'm your host, Julie Clough, Certified Life Coach and Grief Specialist. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 68. It starts with desire. Everything starts with desire. Think about it. What did you get lately that you desired? Maybe it was cookies or ice cream. So you stopped at the store to buy cookies or a pint of ice cream. Or maybe it was new clothes or shoes. So you, so you went online and ordered the clothes you wanted or the shoes you wanted. Right now, you might be saying to me, but Julie, I wanted the new clothes or the new shoes, but I couldn't afford them, so I didn't get them. And that's because you desired something else. You desired something else more than the shoes or the clothes. You desired to be, maybe it was a desire to be fiscally responsible. More, you wanted that more than you wanted to buy new shoes. Or you wanted to go out to dinner instead of buying the new clothes. Maybe it's a clean house. Depending on how much you desired a clean house, is that's proportionate to how clean your house became. If you desired a clean house and you didn't get a clean house, your desire wasn't high enough. My desire just went up in having a clean, orderly, straight, neat house because I'm putting my house on the market. I'm actually selling my house. And so my desire to have things clean and straight went way up. And so guess what? Things got cleaner than they were before. Things got straighter. Things got neater. I heard someone say once that we can educate our desires. What an idea. We can educate our desires. If you educated your desires, what would that look like? On episode 64, The Power of Choice, we talked about choices and recognizing that we're making choices all the time, even when we don't realize it. Sometimes we're making choices and we just don't even realize that that's what we're doing. This idea that it all starts with a desire is the beginning of choices. It's what causes us to choose what we choose. Desires are our inward strongest motivations. Neil Maxwell, who was a scholarly theologian, said, your deepest desires will control your choices and your choices will then control the consequences to be felt both in this life and in the life to come. Desires. Desires lead to choices, which leads to results. Our actions are the results of our desires. What we desire leads to choices and what we choose creates the outcome. It's the consequences. I've mentioned several times the importance of believing that you can heal when it comes to our grief. If you don't believe you can heal, you won't notice the support that can help you. You won't search for the answers and the resources. You won't do the work of healing. But even before that, even before, even before belief that you can heal, you must have a profound desire to heal. Not in the quick fix sense. And that's kind of sometimes what we look for. When we strictly desire to put away the pain, 
that can get us into trouble fast. That's what leads to excessive drinking, doing drugs, or participating in other numbing activities, which instead of helping you, instead of bringing you closer to healing, it separates you further from healing. That is your work. That's your work is to seek for true healing, not numbing, but true healing. Numbing is an artificial solution, which is not a solution at all, is it? Let's go back to the simpler desires and choices and illustrate what I mean by educating your desire. Think about how your desires have changed over the years. If you're like me, when I was in high school, I spent probably 80% of my money on music, on buying recordings. I spent 80% probably or more. In fact, I remember one time I, I was painting my nails. I was in high school. My, my mom had just bought some new clothes for me and I was painting my nails and I accidentally, I was shaking the bottle and the lid came loose. I didn't realize it was loose and the nail polish went everywhere and all over my brand new pants. And my mom took me <laughs> to get some new clothes because like I said, I spent all my money on music. That's what I spent my money on. I wasn't interested in clothes. I, I wasn't interested in that. Now my sister on the other hand, which was, who was just a year behind me in school, she became a fashion design major. So you can imagine what she spent her money on. She spent her money on clothes. She loved clothes. She loved designing them. She loved making them. She loved clothes. She loved buying them. And she was kind of upset that my mom was buying me clothes because my desire was for music, not clothes. But my mom's desire was for me to not look like I was an orphan and like I didn't take care of myself. So that's what I wanted to spend my money on was, was music. And as I got older, I wanted to spend my money somewhere else. I went to college. I wanted to be able to eat. When I went to college, I wanted to be able to pay for my apartment. My desires change. Your desires change. I used to drink soda regularly. Maybe you do too. My favorite was Dr. Pepper. And this is not about soda. I'm not making any judgments here. Just telling you my own personal experience. My favorite was Dr. Pepper. I grew up in the South. I grew up in Florida and Dr. Pepper was like water in Florida or wine in Europe. <laughs> My grandpa was a big Dr. Pepper fan. And I, when I was really young, I remember glass bottles. I'm, I'm aging myself a little bit here, but soda was always in glass bottles for years and years, I guess. I, I don't know when that started, but my grandpa actually when he was in high school, used to drive a Coca-Cola truck and he would do deliveries and they were glass bottles. But when I was young, they were still glass bottles. And so they would drink from the glass bottles and then they, they would have to put them in the little um, cardboard cartons that they came in. They would stack them back in there empty and take those back to the store for a refund for the glass bottles. So the, I guess they reused the glass bottles. I don't really know, but anyway, I had this great love for Dr. Pepper. I liked it and I drank it. And then I switched to Diet Coke because I 
desired a slimmer frame. And I thought that would help me stay thin, but it really didn't. But over time, I learned about the negative impact of soda. So I started to drink less and less, like, especially when I started playing tennis, I was like, I don't want to be drinking soda. I want to be drinking water because I knew that that was going to give me better health, better performance on the tennis court. And I started to see, I actually started to see soda as poison. And, and again, this is not a commentary on, on soda. This was just, this is just my own, own evolution with it. And I, and I know that, you know, thinking of it as poison is super strong, but that's just the way my mind started to work. So occasionally I still drink soda, but my desires have changed. My desires have changed. So I'm out. I drink water, even, even in the, in the movie theater, which is kind of funny. I, I drink water with my popcorn. I still eat the popcorn, which I should probably eliminate that as well, but I still eat the popcorn, but I don't drink the soda. And why is that? Because I educated my desires. I got clear about my priorities. I sought resources that educated my desires that put me more in line with what I wanted. And I'm still working on educating my desires. I over desire cookies and ice cream, anything sugary. The things that I know, I recognize that this isn't good, that this isn't aligned with my desires, with, with my desires for good health, but it's a work in progress. And I still desire sugar more than I desire good health. So I, that's something that I'm working on. I buy more fruits and vegetables and I try to reach for them more often but it's a process. If I educate my desires enough, I'll be able to create the steady desire needed to get what I want in the long run and avoid what I don't want, which is poor health. You have the same opportunities. Are you willing to let go of the benefits of grieving? So going back to grief, going back to grief and and educating our desires around that, educating our desires around healing versus grieving. Are you willing to let go of the benefits of grieving? There are benefits to grieving of playing the victim card of hanging on to the pain. Do you desire healing, true healing? My desire, my desire, the reason I show up week after week on this podcast is because my desire is that this podcast as educates your desire for healing It's the reason I'm here. It's the reason I get up in the morning and record podcasts and post uplifting posts on Facebook and Instagram and work with wonderful clients that want something better in their future than being stuck in the past. I believe, I believe, truly believe that healing from grief is available to everyone who desires to be healed, including you. But you must desire it enough to search for the truth about healing, to find the support necessary to heal, to do the work of healing. You can find, and we're, I'm going to talk a little more about this in a minute, but you can find so much evidence for not healing if you're not actively looking for the evidence of healing and desiring that enough to put aside the messages that say that it's not possible. Cause I get it. 
It's not easy. It's not easy. And that's why sometimes we give up on healing is because it is work. It, it is work. It, it, it requires our effort and our attention. And sometimes it's easier just to, to, to put it aside and go, you know, this isn't working for me. So I'm just going to stop trying, but I am telling you right now, it's available to you if you desire it. Dr. Joe Dispenza speaks to the way our minds work and how trauma affects us and creates our state of being. It's a long quote, but I think it's worth, worth hearing. And I, I'll include a link to the article as well in the show notes. But here's, here's what Dr. Dispenza says. Let's face it. We've all had traumas, shocks, and betrayals in our life which have created strong emotional charges. It makes sense then that the stronger the emotional reaction you have to someone or something, the more you pay attention to the cause. When something, when something with such a strong emotional quotient occurs in our life, the brain freezes the scene and takes a snapshot of the event. Now the picture becomes holographically embossed in our neural circuitry. This is the normal process of how a long-term memory is created. Our problems begin when we continuously think and feel within the boundaries of that past experience's circuitry and feel within the chemicals of the past emotion. When we think and feel for long enough within the confines of the event's neurochemistry, it ultimately becomes our state of being. That's because how we think and how we feel becomes our state of being. Okay, again, I'll link the article. The article is called Let Your Past Life Be Your Past Life, and we'll link that in the show notes. Here's what he's saying. Your emotional reaction to your losses, to your traumas, are so profound that it can keep you stuck in the past reliving your pain repeatedly, reliving your pain over and over until it becomes your normal. It becomes your state of being. But even if it has become your state of being, even if you're listening to this going, oh my gosh, that's what happened. That's what's happened to me. The healing is still possible. And in order to desire healing, you must feel that healing is possible. And that's how you educate your desires. You control your environment. So Dr. Benjamin Hardy, who I is one of my mentors now, addresses the importance of environment in his book, Willpower Doesn't Work. He relates this one story about the Vietnam War. So during the Vietnam War, 20% of the U.S. soldiers became addicted to heroin in Vietnam. Crazy. And the, the, I mean, the government was worried. They were like, Oh my gosh, we're going to have this epidemic when all these soldiers come home. But when they got home, when the soldiers came home, a whopping 95% recovered from their addiction. 95%. Why? Their environment changed. Their environment in Vietnam made it easy to be a heroin addict. But when they got home, they were surrounded by people and places that made it difficult to be an addict. And I know that you're like, what does this have to do with grief? (laughs) What does this have to do with grief and healing? We'll get there. 
By the way, also Ben has a new book, Ben Hardy, Dr. Ben Hardy, Benjamin Hardy has a new book coming out, Personality is Not Permanent. And he has some scientifically proven methods for reframing your past. And he's going to be a guest. I'm super excited about this. He's going to be a guest here on the Build a Life After Lost podcast in just a couple of months. And we'll be sharing his own life's traumas and how he overcame them. So super excited about that. So definitely stay tuned for that. It's worth a million times the rate of admission, which of course is free. So <laughs> of course, this podcast is not about, like I said, it's not about overcoming drug addiction. But remember, you can become addicted to your own grief and pain, as Dr. Dispenza suggested. It's a tricky, tight rope to walk. Grief is normal. It's the normal reaction we have to loss and grief. It can be the pathway. Grief is the pathway to healing your mind and your body and allowing them to adjust and heal from the loss. But it also can become addictive. The chemistry that you, that it produces in the body can be addictive. So while grief is normal and I can't give you a timeline, I wish I could give you a timeline for how long it can last. You do have to be careful that you don't get stuck in grief. And the chemistry of grief is, is the scientific reason we can become stuck. So in the book, in Healing After Loss, was, which is a, um, well, the subtitle is Daily Meditations for Working Through Grief. On the June 2nd entry, uh, Martha Hicks, Hickman says, the author says, does grief aggravate our loss? There is a delicate balance at stake here. On the one hand, we need to pay attention to grief, to grieve our way through the valley of loss, or we will never be able to assimilate the loss, to behold people again. On the other hand, we need not linger over long on the way, or we may get stuck and never come through. If we find ourselves repeatedly dwelling for a long time on how bad we feel, we might try instead to dwell on some of the joys that fly as winged dreams wonderful times we have shared with our loved one, or times that have nothing to do with him or her, but have brought us joy. We do have some control over how long we let our attention linger. So let's not allow the joyous subjects to get away too soon. We need them. Ah, I love that. I love that. A reminder that we honor our grief, but we also allow the joy. So Dr. Hardy suggests the importance of environment. He, is, he, he strongly suggests the importance of environment. That was the, that was the idea behind that story of these, you know, heroin addicts that came back from the Vietnam War. It was their environment that changed, that changed their attention. And I'm not suggesting that you move to another country to change your environment in order to heal from loss. Not at all. Not a lot. Not at all. In fact, sometimes people move, they move from one place to another thinking they can escape their pain, but that's not really how it works. But pay attention to what your inputs are. Your environment can include Facebook, Instagram, the quotes you have on your wall, Are you spending all day reading unhopeful posts on Facebook and Instagram about how you'll grieve the rest of your life? I have seen those types of posts. They are not helpful. What do you have around your house? 
Do the pictures, the quotes, the environment encourage healing or keep you in the past? Louise Hay, in her book, You Can Heal Your Heart, says, while no one can change the physical reality of a loved one dying, how we hold the experience after a loss makes all the difference in the world. How many of us put a negative interpretation on the day our loved one died? Do we talk about how a special day or holiday was forever ruined by their passing? We have such a profound way of affecting our inner world by the words we choose. And that's what I want to focus on right here is her, her, her quote from her book, You Can Heal Your Heart. We have a, we have such a profound way of affecting our inner world by the words we choose. And the words we choose can also be a clue to our inner world. We may not even know what's going on in our inner world, but what are we talking about? What are the words that are coming out of our mouth? That is a clue to what's happening in our inner world. Louise Hay suggests that you practice affirmations that can aid in healing. For example, and this isn't, you know, loss is not just about death and, and This reference is specifically to a loss of death, but it could be divorce. It could be loss of a career. It could be loss of health. Any number of things can create loss and we can use affirmations to heal, to aid in our healing. So this was an affirmation in the book that she suggested for a woman who lost her mother. And here it is. I remember my mother with love. I celebrate my birthday with gratitude and love. So her mother died at at the time of her birthday. And that's why that affirmation. So I needed to, to clarify that. So just starting over, I remember my mother with love. I celebrate my birthday with gratitude and love. My birth and life were made possible by my mother. Isn't that beautiful? Great affirmations. You can use affirmations like, like that and, and keep it in front of you. Post it on your mirror in your bathroom. Post it on the refrigerator. Post it on the wall to remind you of the things, the way that you want to direct your brain. Here are some affirmations you can practice that, that I suggest for you, but consider creating your own. Healing is available to me. I choose healing. I am whole. I am worth the effort of healing. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Healing is available to me. I choose healing. I am whole. I am worth the effort. I invite you to look around. Look around your house. Look at your social media feeds, your work, anywhere that you spend time, anywhere that you spend time and start to clean up the messages that aren't helping you. Start to include input that does support your healing, like those affirmations or listening to inspiring music or inspiring books. This is how you change your environment. It's not about moving. It's about changing your environment. Remember, this is what I do. I assist people individually and in groups to work toward healing. I I had someone say to me the other day, can I, can I work with you? I don't, I don't live near you. And I'm like, absolutely, absolutely. I work with people over video conferencing or over the phone. It doesn't matter where you live. 
it doesn't matter where you can live, where you live. I can help you. I can help you educate your desires and make good choices to heal. So to sum up what we've talked about, one, we make choices according to our desires. Two, we can educate our desires. Three, changing your environment to a healing environment can help you educate your desires. Thanks for joining me today on March 3rd, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Mountain Time is the very first Build a Life After Loss webinar. You don't want to miss it. I'll be sharing with you in more detail because it is a webinar with more detail, more clarity, how to promote healing in your life, what to avoid and the steps to take to start the healing process. The link, the link to register is in the show notes. Now, if that time doesn't work for you, March 3rd, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Mountain Time, if that time doesn't work for you, you can still register and I will send the link to the recording. So you don't have to feel like you're missing out. During the webinar, you also have an opportunity to ask questions. If you're there live, you can ask questions or you can send me an email with questions and I will answer those questions on the webinar. We do have a limited number of tickets, so be sure to register today. Again, that link is in the show notes. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe in your podcast app so you'll get the new episode of Build a Life After Loss each Wednesday. And if you love the podcast, which I hope you do, be sure to leave us a review. I would be so grateful. The people that that this reach will be so grateful. That's how people find us is from the ratings and the reviews. So help us spread the words of hope by sharing with your friends, sharing on Facebook, sharing on Instagram, be sure and tag me so I can send you some love and leaving a review. You're the best. You're the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. Last of all, but most importantly, schedule your free discovery session today at buildalifeafterloss.com. Remember, I believe in you. Talk to you next week.